Praise God. I want to thank all of you that are in the Bible school. Uh, you're helping me. You're helping me. And the Lord said to me some years back, I want you to teach on demonology uh, for your sake as much as the people's sake because you're going to need to understand it for what I've called you to do in the future. I didn't fully understand all what that meant, but I understand more what it means now. And so that, that has really helped me learn some things. But uh, he said, now your wife taught in 19 on the fruits of the Spirit and now, uh, and then he said, teach on the gifts of the Spirit. But uh, the, the study is so, I'm learning so much myself as I study. You know, you think you know things over time, Jenny, but you know, there's so much that we don't know from the Bible about the flow of the Spirit. And uh, even, the, even today in my prayer time, the Lord said, I wanna, because you're showing, now listen, pay attention now, are you listening? I'm trying to help you. Are you listening? Just take a lesson from me. My life's on display for you to help you. I say this to help you, not not in any way to promote anything, okay? Uh, But he said, because you have been hungry and honorable to study on the gifts. Hungry and honorable. You want something from God, you you need to be hungry and honorable. I'm not commenting whether you come to the class or not, but I'm just saying, if something's offered and you don't show up, you're not hungry or you're not hungry. With, that's just your business. But you won't get things from God if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't seek after it. I'm just being honest with you. I'm really hungry for it. I really, I really need it. I need to understand how those gifts work because uh, more than I've ever understood before because uh, of what God's called me to do. And he said to me, because you've been hungry, and honorable in studying the gifts, I'm going to show you uh, more than even what you've learned so far. Because I'm studying from books. There's a bunch of different ministers that I study from, but I'm also studying on my own. I'm, I'm doing my own study. I'm not just studying from books. I'm doing my own study. When you do your own study, God has to show you things directly. And he just said, now turn, I'm going to show you two parallel examples. In the, and I t- turned to one, Jenny, one, one story with Jesus operating in the gifts. And he said, now turn to the other story. I turned to the other story. I, as far as I'm concerned, they're far as east as from the west. I don't see hardly any parallels between them. And he just said, now look at that, and I look at that, and I look at that. And he gave me seven things, and I wrote them down in about five minutes. Seven things. And he says, now that's how the gifts operate. And he showed me all, just in, just in one area. I mean, just one part of one gift which I had taught on, but from a different angle. And he says, now you understand that, what happened? And then he, and then he said to me, because earlier this week, I was ministering to somebody and I wasn't sure if it was a gift or if it wasn't. Because sometimes compassion can be a gift and sometimes compassion is not the gifts of the Spirit. But, but, he, but he taught me through that, Jenny, how that was a gift of the Spirit. That was a gift of the, of the uh, this that was a gifts of healings Amen. that operated earlier this week to heal somebody. Amen. And I wasn't sure if it was their faith or if it was a gift, because you see, sometimes it's so close. And you have to be able to divide between the workings of the Spirit and those things. But I'm, I'm just saying that because this course is helping me maybe more than it's helping you. <laughs> so I want to thank you for those that are supporting it. And I want to remind you that uh, whether we're regular, regular church like tonight, Sundays and, and prayer meetings, or whether there's special meetings or whether there's special Bible school, the more hungry you are and the more you give yourself to the study of the Word, the more God watches and the more He says, hey, they're interested in this. I'm going to show them something. I'm going to show them something that they didn't even teach in class. I'm going to show them something that Pastor Craig never even taught about. I'm going to show them something in their prayer time at home simply because they hungered after me. And you get those gifts operating in your life and the Bible says that you'll profit. 
Because the gifts are given to every man to profit, to cause us to have an advantage in life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, just, it's not my sermon, but just with me quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, and it says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, that word signs and wonders, if you studied in the original Greek, it really is referring to the gifts of the Spirit. Because those signs and wonders can't happen without the gift of faith and without the gift of the working of miracles. That's really what it's talking about. And then, of course, mighty deeds is the word is the word dunamis or power, which as we've been teaching in Bible school, is that power, that anointing of healing power that flows when people reach out the hand of faith. So an apostle is supposed to have both the gifts of the Spirit in a stronger measure than maybe a pastor would, and also that power, that special tangible anointing of power. And so God's been dealing with me. You have to study on this because it might not maybe, yes, it does affect your church. It's going to affect your church even more and new people that come. But when we're on the mission field, that's really where uh, the gifts of the Spirit are going to operate the strongest. Do you know why? Because the gifts are primarily given to the world. Because you're supposed to use your faith. You're supposed to use your faith and get healed with your own faith without even having to draw on, on the power that's on my life. You're supposed to know how to get it yourself. And if you can't get it yourself, then you can draw on the power of the minister. But, and those gifts will operate at times. They operated earlier this week for a congregation member. Because God sees the whole picture and He understands people and what they're going through. And His mercy will, understands that sometimes they're just not getting it and that gift will just go into operation just, to, just as a gift to them, just as a help to them. But it's not primarily, didn't Dad Hagen say that? They're not primarily for the church. They're primarily for sinners. So when you're out there and you're, you're ministering and you're and not even ministering, you're just living your life, be aware because the gifts of the Holy Ghost may just start to operate through you. And if you don't know what they are, if you haven't taken time to study, if you haven't taken time to respect and show reverence for them, you, first of all, they won't operate through you as much. And if they do, you won't even know what they are. You won't know what's happening. And you'll be ignorant about it. So if you're going to come on mission field with me, you better know about the gifts of the Spirit because I'll just throw you right in the deep end. <laughs> now I will. I'll say, you go preach in that church. I got too many churches. We got 70 churches in Africa. How many you think I can get to in one trip? Three? I could take 15 or 20 of you. You can each have three churches each on our trip. And you can just go and preach. Your heart's content. But you better understand the gifts of the Spirit. And you better understand doctrine or you can't do that. So we pick it up. We're an apostolic church. We're not just a little, little patty cake church. Praise God. So let's be hungry, not just for regular services, but when other stuff is taught. Let's be hungry for it. Amen. And let's be hungry when guest speakers come. Yes. Have we, have we, has COVID robbed you of the desire for a guest speaker? No, I hope it hasn't, because before you were pretty hot here for guest speakers. In fact, sometimes they'd be picketing outside Reverend Sandy. We want Pastor Nancy. And then another person has a sign that says Pastor Craig with an X through it. No more <laughs> Pastor Craig. And so, I mean, it was pretty hot before. And then I think COVID cooled that down. So, so... <laughs> So we're, we're, we're believing for Pastor Nancy to come. We've asked her to come, and she hasn't told us if she's coming, but we're, we're believing for her to come in October. But good news that Randy Greer has given us his confirmation. So Randy Greer is coming up to scatter parts. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and we're, we're waiting to see if we're going to Israel, because if we go to Israel, it will be uh, at the beginning of the week. And if we don't go to Israel with Pastor Nancy, it will be the, later that week 
or, you know, whatever. Israel affects the dates because he only has one week available. So just letting you know, the week of November 14 to 20, he's coming for five services in that week. So just be aware of that, 14 to 20. If we're not going to Israel, it starts Sunday morning, goes to Wednesday night. If we do go to Israel, it starts Thursday night and it goes to Sunday morning, the 21st. So he's already confirmed. He's blocked the whole week off. And uh, it's their Thanksgiving the next week, but uh, he's free that week. He's blocked the whole week off for whichever days. We're going to have five services. And he said, I'm so, I can't wait to see your congregation. He's missed you and uh, we miss him. And, and I just feel like these ministers, they, I just need their voice. I need their voice in the pulpit. I need that prophet's office. We need that prophet's office so badly we need it. But God's been helping us. Amen. And, uh, you know, no more. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Please don't pick it. Please change your sign. Just, just, just say sometimes, Pastor Greg, or something. Just don't say no more, okay? Now turn with me. We're talking about, we're going to finish up what we talked about last week because I couldn't get it all done. And it's, it's about hungering for God. I said Psalm 84, but really it's hungering for God. So let's just turn. Can we turn over there to Psalm chapter 84 one more time? There's a few more things in there I think would bless you and help you. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 84 and verse 1 And it says, uh, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. That means how beloved. How much I love your tabernacles. What is the tabernacle? Well, it's the house of God, but what is it really talking about? Where the presence of God comes. Now, in the Old Testament, Reverend Greg, they had to go to a place. But in the New Testament, the place is in us. So really, let's not just take it from the Old Testament, which is truly not accurate for the New Testament, it would be wrong for us to just say this is about coming to church because that's not accurate. Because it includes coming to church, but it's not limited to coming to church like it was in the Old Testament because you've got the tabernacle inside you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So let us keep it accurate even though this is Old Testament scripture, let's look at it through the cross and it's not just about, you'll see it called house and tabernacles and courts. That's the physical location. But let's make it accurate. It's not just the physical location of the gathering of the saints. Really, it's about the presence of God. So it's a, I love, your presence is loved by me. How amiable is your presence? That's really what he's saying. And that's what we're saying. Because whether we're at home in our prayer closet or whether we're driving or whether we're in the church building corporately, but it's the presence of God we're after because it lives in us. But have you noticed when we get together, it's stronger. When we worship together, you can feel it differently than when you worship at home. When I worship at home, my God, the presence of God shows up. My wife knows sometimes I walk out there, tears are just streaming down her face as the presence, I could feel the presence of God in the room. And sometimes she'll come in and she'll feel the presence of God when I'm in there. I tell her that the presence of God is stronger when I'm in there than when she's in there. But that's a, a debate that is ongoing. Praise God. Uh, it's okay to, 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 you know, row a little bit. And, you know, you can have fun with each other. But, but the presence that I feel there is different, Jenny, than the presence I feel here. Because the presence here is because of you. It's because of the supply you bring. Praise God. And so it's precious when we gather together and have the presence of God come. You can't get that anywhere else but the local church. Or a conference, yes, that's fine. But conferences aren't always happening. And then you don't know who the person is beside you. And, and then, you know, to the local church, there's a home feeling to the local church. You, you know, it feels safe to you. It feels comfortable. You know where you like to sit. You, you know which part of the bathroom you like to go to. You know which part of the cafe you like to sit in. You know the people you like to talk to. You know where your picket sign is located. No more Pastor Craig. It just feels like home to us, right? Whereas conferences don't feel like home. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, 
How loved is your presence, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts or for the presence of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God, for the presence of God. See, even though we're in the new covenant, we still have a hunger. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. But for me, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Listen, the bird got a house. I need a house too. He's not talking about his house where he lives. He's talking about where the presence of God is. Now, the presence of God is where we live, but it's also in the local church. And do you notice that's where you bring your young? That's where you bring your babies. That's where you bring your teenagers. Lest the devil get a hold of their minds. Hallelujah. Blessed are they. Now, see, now you got this. Uh, let's look at verse 4. Blessed are they that dwell in thy presence, thy house. They will still be praising thee. No matter what shows up in their life, they're going to keep praising. So number one to four is just, it's just extolling uh, two things. Like I said, hunger and a desire for the hunger for the presence. So it's emphasizing hunger, but hunger for what? Hunger for God. Hunger for his presence. Hunger for, the, for his house. But because we are his house, it's not just the physical church, it's hunger for God himself. And then, of course, we see some, some benefits, verse starting in, in number five, people that are hungry and that spend time in God's presence, they're promised, verse five, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and that word, like I said, really means boldness, who is bold in thee, who in whose heart are the ways. Of them are italicized. So take that out. In whose hearts are the ways, or what? The paths, or what? The plan. What this is saying is, if you're in the presence of God, you're going to know exactly what God wants you to do, and you're going to be bold about it. And when I look around, I see the problem with people, Reverend Rob, is ministers and Christians alike. They don't know what God wants them to do. They don't know who God, where God wants them to marry. They don't know where God wants them to live. And by the way, I just want to say something, please, because the Lord dealt with me a couple weeks ago, and I, I still haven't said it, because I don't want to hurt anybody. But I just want to say this, because he just prompted me to say it now. So uh, I know I notice a lot of people buying homes outside now. There's a lot of people in our church that are buying homes all over the place. One hour drive, one and a half hour drive from church. So I took that to prayer, because Dr. Dufresne always said, be very careful before you move too far away from the local church. Yeah because it will hinder your flow. He always said that, and he always discouraged people from doing it. But I don't want to discourage people and, and be a control freak. So I just said, Lord, I take this to prayer. I want, your, I want your mind on it. I want you to talk to me about it, because there's an unusual number of people in our congregation that are buying houses an hour's drive from church, like a spike. I guess because the housing market's so high, they can't get houses within their budget here, so they're going out yonder. But you've got to be careful you don't make decisions just based on money because it's going to be very careful. So I said, Lord, how do I handle that? Do I say anything? He said, you do say something. Wait till I prompt you. Well, he just did. So I said, how do I handle that, Lord? What, what do you want to say about this situation? And he said these words to me, and I want to say, and if you're watching my live stream, listen carefully, please. He said, some of them in your congregation I have led to do it, and they are in my perfect will. And others I have not. Money has led them. The deal has led them. The desire for a house is more important than my house. That's what he said to me. He said, and then he said, I'm not even going to talk to you about the ones that are out of my will. So, so, <laughs> okay. He didn't tell me who those people are. He just said some are. He said, but I'll talk to you about the ones that I've led to do this and some I have. 
He said, I've led them and there's a, they're in my perfect plan to live outside the city. He said, but challenge them and remind them that even though they're in my will, it's going to be up to them how they deal with their flesh. Because their flesh, even though that is my will, if they let their flesh rise up, they'll get out of my will from the perspective, not about the house, but about their supply to the local church. Because they're easy to, to, to say, I'm going to come. But when you've had a long day at work, you know, Reverend Greg always talks this way to me. He always says when they were thinking about houses, he said, you know, I don't ever say nothing. I don't try to influence people. He just said, I'm not, I'm not going far. I don't need any obstacles to coming to church. I don't need anything hindering me. It's, uh, there's enough hindrances. There's enough busyness. There's enough distractions. There's enough tiredness. I don't need a long drive on top of everything. Because if I have that, I just might not come and I can't risk that. Now, that, I appreciate that maturity. But that doesn't mean that people that live, move far are not mature. It's just that if they're in the will of God, that's the big if, they better guard their flesh. Because how you handle the feelings of tiredness and the road conditions and the traffic conditions and the this and the that, if you don't put that flesh under and make the commitment and say, Father, uh, snow or not and tired or not and long drive or not, uh, you led me here, but you also planted me there. Now, you're not going to leave me out here and then hurt the way you planted me. So that means I can do this, but I've got to to put my mind to it and I've got to put my flesh under and you will strengthen me as I go. Now, people that do that, they can live out the city and they can be in the perfect will of God and they cannot have an iota difference of their supply to the local church and you tick all the boxes. But it's very easy, I'm warning you, it's very easy to start getting tired and weary and this excuse and that reason and that thought and then before you know it, you're coming once a month when you were coming every Sunday and most Wednesdays. And then before you know it, now you're stepping away from the ministry of helps. Now I can't serve as much because I can't come as much. You better be careful because the Holy Ghost does not author to hurt his house so that you can have a nice house. He doesn't do that. He doesn't. So if he authored your house, it's not to hurt this house. So you better keep your flesh under. And if you're not sure, some people have come to me, Lorraine, and said, I missed it. I moved and I missed it. What is my answer to them? Change it. Sell the house and move back. But I'll take a loss. You take the loss. It was your fault for missing it. You never come and ask. You never, you don't need to ask. You don't need my permission. But you never came and asked if I'd pray about it and if, I, and if it's sense, if it's sense good to my spirit. You just did it on your own. You told me after the fact. So now you know you've missed it. Now you know you're hurting the local church. You're going to open the door to the devil if you don't get back in his perfect will. Sell the house at a loss if you have to and get back to where you should be. But you see, a lot of people don't want to do that because money is more important to them than anything else. I'm serious. I'm just talking straight with you. You have to want the house of God. You have to love the house of God. There was a love in this psalmist for the house of God, a hunger for the presence of God, a hunger to be there and to connect. Now, when that, when that is not, let me get off my soapbox now and move on. But when you've got that hunger and you're in his presence, I guarantee you, you, if you just stay there long enough, he will show you exactly what his path is for your life, who you're to marry, where you're to live, where, 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 you know, everything. What job? You got three offers. Which one should you take? If you're in his presence, he'll show you. And you better not pick the one that's giving you the best salary or the best benefit package because you don't know the wild witch of the West might be uh, fixing to be your supervisor and you pick the nice benefit package and you got Beelzebub for your boss. 
Don't ever make decisions about money. Don't ever make big decisions based on money. I'm serious. That's what the world does. That's not what we do. We are not led by mammon. We're led by the Holy Ghost. And the supply will be there. Whenever it is, the supply will be there. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm just talking straight. Is that okay, honey? Some people, they just need you to talk straight to them. Because if I don't tell you, who will tell you? The real estate agent ain't going to tell you because he wants you to buy the house. Right? You just learn how to be led by the Spirit. And don't be too proud if you miss it to back up. It's better that you back up if you miss it and make it right than go one degree off true north and then 10 years later, your life's not the way you thought it was going to turn out. Little decisions make big impacts in the future. It, it matters. So I'm, you need to know the plan and the path and be bold about it. It's one thing to know it happy, but if you're not bold about it. When you're in the presence of God, it makes you bold about things. It gives you a strength for things. It gives you a vigor for things. Not just to know it, but to actually do it. This is a benefit to the presence of God. And these are very macro, broad statements, but I've learned one of the biggest problems in people's lives, they don't know the God, God's will for their life. So this, this says if you're in his presence, you're going to know that. Now the next thing, this is another broad spectrum, is when you're passing through the valley of Baca or tears, when you're going through the hard time, the sad time, the attack time, when you're going through that miserable time, and it happens to everybody, so don't worry about your bad confession, Jesus himself, who is the king of confession, said every day's got evil. In fact, it's got so much evil, don't even think about tomorrow. Just handle the evil you got today. And that's Jesus, the king of faith, talking. So don't get all weird with me about, or don't confess that. You're just being weird. Stop it. We do live in a world, and it's okay to talk fact. You just don't need to get over into the ditch, but we stay in the middle of the road without confession. Okay? There is Baca every now and then. But when you're passing through, not camping out in, did you see that? The valley, not the mountaintop, because it's a valley. It's a hard place. Uh, what's going to happen? Make it a well. And the rain also fills the pools. That's the supply is there. The word well means spring forth like a spring, like a fountain spring. It springs forth. The supply in the sad times springs forth. When you're in the presence and you face the hardship, everywhere you turn, supply, 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 supply. But if you're not in the presence... And if you're not in the house of God corporately, and if you're not in your prayer closet, because you can come to church but never pray. And you can pray but not come to church. You've got to do both to have a balanced life. If you're in the presence at home and corporately, when the sad time comes, you just look at that situation and say, you ain't gonna, you're not overtaking me. You don't know who I've been with. Now there's going to be a supply to meet this problem. There's going to be pools filled all around me as I walk through Bucca. You never have to worry about sad things again, difficult things again, hard, hardship things again, if you've been in the presence. But that only works if you've been in the presence. If all you do is on social media and watch TV and do your errands and you, and you never spend time with God. Well, when Baca comes, Baca hits you. And it knocks some people out. And it knocks them out of their race. Before they know it, they've left the church and they're backsliding and they're turning away from God because they can't handle the weeping seasons. You need the presence to handle the weeping seasons. 
I won't give you the specifics, but some time ago, I didn't know it, she didn't know it, but a bad day was fixing to happen. Ever seen that, that show, the kids show? Uh, what's it called, Quinny? The miserable, rotten, down good, no dirty. What's that bad day? Remember Alexander's rotten, miserable? Anyway, there's a kid movie, and it's called Alexander's rotten, miserable. And there's all these adjectives about the awful day that he's about to have. Remember that movie? Well, I didn't know, but the devil was fixing a rotten, broke down, beat up, bad day for Jenny and I. I didn't know it. She didn't know it. Do you remember that? But she got, I'm trying to teach you how Baca needs to be handled. You don't know what's about to happen. You don't. Life happens sometimes. But she's up in the presence of God. I'm up in the presence of God. Now, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to her. I guess God knew I was strong enough that I didn't need it. But it happened to her. I wish it had happened to me, believe me. Because I prayed too. I prayed too. But she was there waiting on God early in the morning. And she said the last, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of her prayer time, she said the presence of God just came on her like a blanket. And she was waiting for God to speak or uh, something to happen. Because normally when that happens, God wants to communicate. And he didn't communicate anything. He didn't say nothing. But she said a tangible blanket of God's power just fell on her and stayed on her. The weightiness stayed on her for 10, 15 minutes. And she, she didn't know what it was. God didn't tell her what it was. But then as that day unraveled, one problem after the next problem after the next problem. And the one problem says, I see your problem and I raise you this problem. And then the next problem said, I see yours and I raise you this problem. It's like a devil's poker game. And they're raising each other and every bit of the day got worse and worse and worse. And then the Lord showed her later in the day. He said, that's why I, that's why I came on you 15 minutes. My power was resting on you to get you through this day so that you would be unmoved, that you would be unshaken, that your emotions would not be all over like a cat in a hot tin roof. And she was just steady as a rock through one problem after the next problem. I can't tell you the problems, but believe me, they were problems. One problem after the next all day long. And she just like a locomotive, unmoved, not up and down. She just... Thank God for a wife who is not, you know what I'm, I don't mean, I'm just saying some people, they're so emotional. Everything, I, I don't, that's stressful. That's tiring being around super emotional people all the time. Always drama. It's good to just be consistent and stable and steady through the valley of Baca. Do you understand? But did you notice what got her through her miserable hard day? The presence the power rested over her because in the presence, there is a supply. There's a pool of supply for that hard time. But if you don't get up and spend time with him, you're facing that on your own. Now, yes, you've got him around you. Technically, you're a believer, but he can't engage with you the same way because you never waited on him. Are you with me? Basic stuff. But what do you do in the morning? Basic stuff. But don't tell me you've heard it if you're not seeking God in the morning. Uh, how do you organize your evenings? This is very practical, but it's very helpful. If you're in bed late, late, and you're doing all your stuff, how are you supposed to get up? Your body needs sleep. You have to back up your day, not just about when you leave for work, but when are you going to seek God? And then you have to back it up so that you have enough sleep. And then you have to back up for all the chores and all the life things that happened the night before. And then you've got to back it up until you find a time where you say, that's my bedtime. Because I've got to do that in order to do this. 
And I find most people don't do it, Jenny. They're as disorganized with their time as they are with their money. And they wonder why they go in debt because they don't have a budget. And they wonder why nothing ever happens for them because they don't, they don't, know, they don't have a budget of time. Everything is just, what they, whatever little thing comes, their attention's gone there. Like, you know, they're like a cat with a light. You know, you put the light, hmm, 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 you know, have you done that? It's really a lot of good fun. If you ever need fun, buy a cat, even if that's the only reason you buy it. And just play games with the light. It's really fun to watch it do that. That's what most people are. Little thing. You can't live that way. You need to have a schedule. Well, that, sound, that doesn't sound very anointed and spiritual. That's because you're stupid. That's because you have no idea what the anointing is and you have no idea about who God is because God created physics. God created the ecliptic of the sun. God created, no, God knows to the minute degree exactly everything to do with the solar system. You don't think he cares about your day and how it's organized? Don't make the spiritual excuse to be disorganized. Well, I can't clean my house. I need to pray. Why can't you do both? People don't like this kind of preaching, Jenny. They want just, let's talk about the gifts and casting out devils. But, but, but that is all part and parcel of us seeking God. Because if you don't, and if you don't plan your day, you can't seek Him. You want to seek Him, but you won't seek Him. Because life will get in the way. And then you know what happens? You keep hearing sermons like this, you start feeling guilty. Then you say, I, I don't think God's called me anymore to promise of life. And the only reason you say that is because you're convicted when you're here. But you go down to the church down the street that just reads out of Reader's Digest and tells about how to have friends all the time, which is great and important. Friends are important. But there's more to life than just making friends. And let's raise in the special offering for the seventh fog machine. I mean, I'm just saying, a lot of places won't challenge you. You know why they won't challenge you? Because they want you to stay. Do you know why I'll challenge you? Because I don't care. I want you to stay. But I'm not going to get the glory by having you live carnal. And I want the glory more than I want you to stay. So I have to teach what's going to bring the glory. And the people, if they're hungry, they'll stay. And if they're not, they'll leave. And God will bring in new people that are hungry. Because there are people hungry for the glory. But I know if you're here this long, after all this yelling and preaching all these years, and all the picketers outside... If you've got through all of that, you must be hungry a little bit. Do you understand? It's nice to be somewhere where you know the minister ain't going to back down. I'm telling you, I like that. When Pastor Nancy, I don't know what to call it, Jenny, but she gets ornery at times. I can tell. That's my favorite time. That's my favorite time. Other than, you know, the, the glory is coming. Other than that, but when she gets ornery. You know, what, you know what I mean? She gets that demeanor about her and she just starts going. And I just start, I mean, if, if I ever pull in the service, I just want to make her more ornery. Come on, Pastor. Come, come on. And I, and I turn into a Michael Lekedic with the handkerchief. I mean, I just turn into it because she just calls it straight. And I know she gets a lot of emails and a lot of people watch that hate her. Oh, yeah. But you know what? She's after something higher than the opinion and the approval of people out there watching. Half of them are unfaithful and backslidden to begin with. I'm not after anybody's approval. I want the glory. And Jenny, you don't think talking about a schedule at home has anything to do with the glory. It has everything to do with the glory. Because if you can't learn to seek God, God will never take this church to the next level. So you've got to plan your evenings. Seriously. 
everything, Merry Chris, in, in our life, everything from the laundry to how much TV we're watching to what we're eating, how often we're eating, our chores, our extracurricular, everything, every, if you're spiritual, it's not just about praying in tongues, everything in your life is pointed to the prayer closet. And secondly, the local church. So you plan things around, not the restaurant, but around when am I going to pray? I plan my life around when is the church event? When is the doors open? That's a spiritual person. That's the person God's going to move in. That's the, that's the army we need to raise for the glory to come. It's people that build their life around God, not God fitting in wherever you can fit him in. He is not going to come second. He will not. He's jealous. He says, I'm a jealous God. I'm going to be first. If you don't want me to put me first, I'll find somebody that's going to put me first. Well, I want, I'm telling you guys, I'm desperate to put him first. I'm desperate. The older you get, the more. The young people don't understand this because they think everything's their little cats, right? Everything's shiny and they, it, it distracts them. The older you get, I'm not that old, but the older you get, the re, you realize there's absolutely nothing out there that really fills anything. You, you, you get excited about the purchase and it's wonderful when you're doing the purchase. It's wonderful three hours after the purchase. It's wonderful maybe that week. And then the next week you're like, what was the big deal? And then it cracks, and then it fades, and then something falls out, if it's possible to fall out. Do you know what I'm saying? And you're like, oh, oh all of that for this? All of that buildup, all of that energy, all of that money, all of that time, all of that preparation, all of that excitement, for that? Now, I'm not saying that things aren't fun. We can have fun. God wants to bless us. But you learn that, and those, most of you, I think, would know this. You have enough life experience to know that all that stuff, while we enjoy things and God wants to bless us, it really has to be in its place because compared to the presence of God, the, the Word of God, Him speaking to you, feeling His love for you, feeling Him wrap His arms around you, the thrill of telling somebody, be healed and seeing them healed, the thrill of saying, can I pray with you? And you lead them in the sinner's there is no purchase. There is no amount of money. There's no goods or service. There's no vacation. There's nothing that compares to that thrill of seeing somebody go from darkness into light for the first time. I'm telling you, it's like a high. And everything in our life needs to be focused on when am I seeking God and when is the doors open? When am I seeking God and when is the doors open? Private, corporate, private, corporate, everything. You do that, God will bless you. You why? Because put me first, seek me first, and be right about it. And by righteousness, do the right thing, which is putting me first, and all this other stuff, I'm going to make sure you get it. But you better put me first. I'm not going to put up with being second. I'm not your friend. I'm God. I'm not even your wife or your husband. I'm God. I'm better than I'm bigger than them. I'm more important than them. I'm not your kids. I'm God. I'm not your pet. You know, one lady left our church years ago, 10 years ago. She left our, our church because she said, I have to walk my dog on Sunday mornings. And I, 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 I said, darling, thank God your dog is important. It's wonderful. I said, but you're telling me you can't walk him at 2 o'clock? Oh, no, he's in a rhythm. He has to be walked at 9.30 Sunday mornings. I said, are you joking me? Look, are you crazy? Are you crazy? You're going to put the dog ahead of God's house. She looked right at my eye and says, yes. And she walked out and never came back. You just, can't, you just can't figure people. 
Well, I hope the dog blesses her. When she's healed, I hope the dog can heal her. When she's sick, I mean, I hope the dog can heal her. Anyway, keep going, Jenny. Don't, don't get me riled up now. If, we seek his, if we're hungry and we seek his presence, we're going to know his plan, and there's going to be boldness to walk it out. When we're going through hard times, there's going to be supply everywhere we look. And this one goes, six goes with the Baca Valley thing. Verse six and seven go together. They will go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion, that appeareth, really that means that watches God. In other words, that's close to God, that's hungering. It's another reference to hungering for God. When you hunger for him, you go strength to strength. Now the New Testament says we go glory to glory. If you're in the presence of God, every year is going to get better. Remember that wonderful verse in Proverbs that we love to quote? The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter unto the noonday sun. But the righteous, the righteous, the path of the righteous, what does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if you're righteous, you're seeking him first. If you're righteous, you're hungering. If you're righteous, you're seeking his presence. If you're righteous, your whole life revolves around prayer time and church time and nothing else is as important. There's other things that are important, but not as important. You, are you with me? Because uh, putting him first is what, is what matters. Seek him first. Seek him first. Seek him first. He said to me, take a couple weeks and talk about hunger. So that I'm obeying him. I'm doing that. I'm going from glory to glory. Amen. I'm going from strength to strength. Yes. My, my path, I don't know about your path, but my path is getting brighter. My revelation grows every year. My income grows every year. And not because of a, of a salary increase, because I use my faith. My business is growing every year. This church is growing every year. Our budget is growing every year. Healings are growing every year. Salvations are growing every year. What I give to my pastor, my personal gifts to her, I increase it every year. What I believe God for my income and the different streams of income, I believe God and I see it increase every year. Why? I have to keep growing. I have to keep growing. I can't go down or stay the same. I've, with God, there's always more. He's an increasing, expanding God. But everything comes back to his presence and seeking him. If that's the nuclear power source, if you've got that, everything, shh. If you don't have that, it just whizzles and fades, shrivels and dies. You with me? Okay. So we're going strength to strength. Now, <laughs> so we've got two things now. You know the plan and be bold. And you're going to have supply and strength when hard times come. But the third thing. Now, when I got home last Wednesday night, the Lord said, you, you never noticed something in there. I said, yes, Lord, I'm sure there's lots I don't know in there. And he said, did you notice the first two are statements? The one that seeks me will know the plan. The one that seeks me will have strength and supply in the, in the, week, in the, in the sad times. But he said, did you notice the third one isn't a statement? Which I talked about last week, but I never said this last week. The third one isn't just a factual statement. The third one is the individual getting God's attention and saying, by the way, God, I want you to know I got this third thing down pat. Read it with me. The first two are statements. But now look at verse 8. Oh, Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. See, he's getting God's attention. Give ear, O oh God of Jacob. He's like, listen to me, God. 
And then verse 9, Behold, O God, our, our shield, and look upon the face of thine order. Look at me, God. Look at me and listen to me. See, the first two is just the psalmist saying this is what's going to happen. But the third thing, which you're going to see here in verse 10, this third concept, this third benefit, the person is getting God's attention to say, Lord, I want you to know I'm doing this. I never saw that before. And he said, when it comes to verse 10, you should be telling me that you've got it. Notice, it, it, the person wasn't telling God, hey, when I'm going through Baca, I got strength and supply. It's just a statement. That's what will happen. Notice it's not the person that's saying, when I'm in your presence, I'm going to know what to do and I'm going to have bonus. It's just a statement. But now with verse 10, which is number three, it's the person getting God's attention saying, hey, hey, listen to me. Hear me, oh God. I want you to know I'm doing this. Because this is part of what comes out of your presence. And this is important for my success is verse 10. So you need to tell God that you're getting verse 10. Don't wait for him to tell you, hey, Errol, good job. Errol needs to be saying, Father, I'm doing this. Now, what is verse 10? For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. And that basically means uh, to wait at the threshold to be an usher, to be a cleaner, a small menial job. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell. That means to gyrate or dance in a circle. The word dwell doesn't mean to live. It means to have a fun party in the tents of wickedness. In other words, I'd rather do something small to serve you than I will have a party with them. Now, what has he said? Listen, look upon the face of your anointed. That word anointed, don't just overlook that word because that word anointed doesn't just mean what you casually think. Well, we're all anointed. No, in the Old Testament, they weren't all anointed. The regular people weren't anointed. This means prophet, priest, or king. So this is a prophet or a priest or a king saying, I'm a bigwig. I'm a king. Why should I do a menial job? I'm a prophet. Why should I take the offering? I'm a priest. Why should I do something small? I'm a man of God. I'm a big person here. I'm the anointed one. Do you see that? But even the high bigwig was saying, hey, God, I'm a servant. Hey, God, I'm getting your attention because I've been in your presence. I'm a servant. I want you to know something. I may be important and have a Ph.D. and wear a suit and people at work call me sir. But when I'm in your house, I'm cleaning the toilets. Hey, God, I'm getting your attention. I'm a servant. Three things I see people failing all the time. They don't know what God wants them to do and then they don't do it. Problem and weak and sad time. Take them out. And small things, mundane things, non-exciting things, servant-type things, they get tired of quickly, they get bored of quickly, they're too proud. I'm better than that. Don't you know how much money I make? And they've forgotten that the world system doesn't work in the church. It doesn't work in God's kingdom. You can be a, a surgeon out there and have everybody respect you, but in God's kingdom, you're a servant. And you can't come in here flaunting your PhDs and how much money you make thinking that you're too good to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Because he's saying, a king, the anointed king is saying, I'm getting your attention, I'll be an usher. Yes, amen. You see that? Now, I never, I knew about the, the anointed and the bigwig and the bigwig humbling themselves to serve. But the Lord said to me, see, he, he's kind. He, I don't see everything. He said, did you notice? 
The first two are statements, but the third one is the person getting my attention to tell me that they're a servant. He said, tell your congregation to get my attention and let me know that, I'm, that they're a servant of mine. That they're not too important to teach the children. That it's not too much of an inconvenience to clean the pulpit and do the carpet and decorate the church. No, I'm serious. When you're in the presence of God, a servant heart comes right out of you. But unlike the first two, when you're in the presence of God, you'll know what to do and you'll be bold. When you're in the presence of God, when sad times come, there'll be a supply and strength. But now when you're in the presence of God, you need to actually take more ownership of the third one and say, hey, God, I'm not too, I'm not too big or important to do a small job. I'm not bored with my training season. I want you to know, hey, look at me, listen to me. I'm not going to fail the little test. Because it's not a little test, it's a big test. Are you getting God's attention? Because some of you, you, you're not even doing this. So how can you get God's attention to tell him you're a doorkeeper because you're not a doorkeeper? What you're getting God's attention is, is God, I'm important. And God looks at you and go, oh, really? Well, I, I spent 300,000 on my education. Okay. Well, what has that got to do with my kingdom? It's great that you'll have a nice job and you'll have a good paycheck, a wonderful RSP, and you'll drive a nice car and because you've taken care of yourself and you've educated yourself. And all of that is good and positive, and I, I applaud you, and so does God. But that doesn't cut it with God. You're not better in God's kingdom because you're rich. You're not better in God's kingdom because, well, I'm on the worship team. And everybody sees me. Ah, look at those little people making coffee. I'm on the worship. That's the wrong attitude. What you need to say, hey, God, I want you to know something, God. I'm getting your attention. I've been in your presence. I want to be a servant. I'll do the littlest thing you ask me to. Just ask me. Just ask me, and I'll do it. And if you don't ask me, I'm going to go ask them. Where do I need to serve? What do I need to do? Yeah. Right. Amen. Yeah. Reverend Greg has got... Uh, two degrees in business. He's an educated man, and he's a board member, and he's more on the higher echelons of our church. And, and, and Lorraine called me a couple weeks ago and said, I just want to run this by you because I don't know if the board gets some kind of special whatever because they're the board. But Reverend Greg called me and said, and said Mr. Lorraine, anything I can do? Anything you need me to do? You want me to clean? Anything? I'll do it. I'll do it with joy. She said, am I allowed to put him in something that's more menial? Because he's a board member. I said, yes, but first he's a servant. And I said, the reason God's put him in that position is because he's a servant. And a lot of people want the position, but they don't have the heart to serve. And they wonder why God never promotes them. Because you think too highly of yourself. These are stinging things, but they're, they're for growth. Not knowing the will of God. Letting sadness and, and problems take you out. And number three, pride. Not serving. Thinking more highly of yourself than you should. These are three things that destroy lives. When you're in the presence, whatever pride you've got, he will burn it out of you. He will. I'm telling you, he will. And you'll find yourself saying, hey, God, I'll do anything with joy. I'm not above anything. I don't too good for anything. When you're in his presence, he'll so fill you that when you face a hard time, you just laugh and dance your way because there's springs of supply and strength everywhere you turn. 
When you're in his presence, he whispers to you. And you, by the inner witness, you know, I'm supposed to go there. I'm supposed to marry that one. I'm supposed to have that job. When I got these four jobs, I'm supposed to take that one. Don't look like the best, but the inner witness says that one. I know I, know I need to go to this. I need to buy this house. I know I need, this is my church. I, I. See, when you're in the presence, you know what to do. There's strength for the weak times, and there's humility. Because without humility, you're dead, drop dead in the water. Your ship's sinking. You don't even know it. Notice it was the king that said he was going to be a doorkeeper. And the king got God's attention to let God know, I get it, I'm humbled. <laughs> okay, praise God. I, don't, I hope, you're, hope, you're, hope it's helping you. Now, let me, can I just read you? Uh, I don't even know where my notes are. Taylor, you've distracted me enough this service. When I lose my place, I just talk to him. Hallelujah. Can you quickly turn Matthew 23, 11? I got one more thing to say, but let's just quickly turn Matthew 23, 11, because I can see some of you pointing at your Bible and saying, Pastor, give me a scripture in the New Testament. So I'll do it. Matthew 23, 11, that he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humble himself shall be exalted. That's, 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 red. that's words in red. Uh, that's not just some person giving their opinion. This is Jesus. Now have a look at John 13, verse 1, real quick. John 13, verse 1. He's telling us to humble ourselves and serve each other in the house of God. Be a servant at work. You want a promotion? Serve. Sinners are so not used to serving, when your boss sees somebody willing to serve, it'll shock them. They won't even know what they'll think something's wrong with you. John chapter 1, John chapter 13, sorry, and verse 1. Well, not 1. I'm looking for it here. And verse 7, Jesus answered and said, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never. Well, let's look at verse, uh, verse 5. And after he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded, then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, thou, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to them, What I do thou knowest not. In other words, you don't understand what I'm doing. But thou shalt know later. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part of me. Peter, Simon Peter says unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my hair, my head. Wash me. Where's the head and shoulders? Bring it on, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to not save to wash his feet, but he is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. He's talking about Judas who's there who's not clean. But did you notice he says, if, if, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part of me. Yeah. In other words, if, if you won't let me serve you, and you won't serve others in turn because you're my body, then you're not even part of my kingdom. So don't call yourself a Christian if you can't serve because you're not part of him. Well, I don't believe in the ministry of I guess you're not a Christian. But I'm too busy to teach the church. I guess you're not a Christian then. Because if you're a Christian, you have to serve. It's part and parcel of the experience. People don't realize that, Jenny, but oh my God, is it ever true. Whether they realize it. Last one, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. See, I know some of you said, well, unless I hear it from the Apostle Paul, I'm not listening. Well, I'm so glad you said that. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15. And the Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, I'm pleading with you. You know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Acacia, 
and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Ministry means service or attendance. It's where you get the word deacon from, diacona. It means to go through the dust and to serve diligently and vigilantly. It means to do menial things. It means to hard work, sweat, toil. It's not just pushing paper, although that can be service too, but it is actually serving. They have addicted, addicted themselves to the service of the saints. Now we're serving Jesus, but when you clean the church, you're also serving the saints, but it's for Jesus. But Jesus doesn't need the toilets clean because he's not coming here to use them. Right? But, but, you're, but the person sitting beside you is. So you're still serving the saints, but you're doing it as unto the Lord. Do you understand? <laughs> and when doctor, he was so simple in his heart and his mind when he got saved. And he said, Pastor, what can I do? And he said, the toilets need cleaning. Nobody wants to do that job. He said, okay. And you know, he, he stayed in that toilet roll the entire time he was at that church until he went to full-time ministry. And he said that first day he started, he cleaned it the day he got saved. And he actually, I don't know, sometimes new believers, they don't think the way we think because they don't know anything, Reverend Rob. And he actually told me, he said, Craig, I actually thought that like, seriously, like not, no, not an exaggeration. He said, I really thought that Jesus himself was going to inspect the toilets before the evening service. I don't know why I thought that. The pastor never told me that Jesus would inspect it, but I just said, well, I'm serving God in his house. If I'm serving my boss, my boss checks what I've done. If I'm serving God, God's probably gonna come and check what I've done. And he really thought Jesus was gonna come in person and check the toilets. So he, man, meticulously, every under the rim, every part, he cleaned perfectly. Because he wanted Jesus to be pleased when he inspected it. Do you understand? When you do ministry of helps here, when you're a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, do it with all your heart. Don't cut corners. When you're sitting here, don't put gum under the chairs. Don't, don't eat your, your, spill your coffee and then just, ah, whatever, somebody will get it. Go get the cloth and clean it because it's God's house. Yes, you are God's house, but, but this place is where we've dedicated for the glory of God. We've dedicated for His presence. We don't have bingo nights here. There's no little balls. Bingo! We don't do that here. We don't invite those guys. What are them? They drive the go-karts and they have the big red hats. What are they called? Shriners. This is not a Shriner place here. We don't have go-karts out there. We don't do that here. This is not for bingo and Shriners and every little Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to have a meeting. We, people ask us and offer us money to use this building, and it's no, no, and in case you never heard us, no. This place is for God. Oasis, we've had people calling, offering us money. We could be making money, Reverend Greg, money. Money, money. I mean, we could have probably renovated a whole other cabin by now. They're asking, they're, people are walking off the street and saying, my God, this is so nice. How much? I'll pay anything you want. And the Holy Ghost said to me, no, no. And in case you never heard me, no. This ground is not for sinners and their alcohol and their weed and their fornication. This ground is for the glory of God. It's for prayer. It's to seek me. Money is not more valuable than that. Anyway, praise God. Uh, we have to addict ourselves to serving the saints. So Jenny, ha, 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 I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I'm about to 
Anyway, yeah, I don't want to lose, I don't like that because I'm not going to lose control. But about to lose control, I think I like, you don't know that song, brother, but it's, anyway, praise God. All right, so a little bit before your time, praise the Lord. If I'm in the presence of God, I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to boldness to do it. I'm going to have strength and supply in times of Bacchus sadness. And I'm going to get his attention to let him know, I got it. I got revelation of it. I'm not too big. I'm not too important. I will serve. I will humble myself. And in ordinary life, I will do what you ask me to do. I will serve with joy. Getting bored with your job and your assignment is very dangerous. We all fight it. When you have a job to do, and it's the same, especially spiritual things, natural things, will turn, that will go south on you too. But when you're in the house of God and you're serving in the ministry of health, it's very important that you keep yourself stirred up and that you rec- remind yourself frequently, I'm doing this unto the Lord. It's, it looks boring. It looks like nothing's really mattering, that nobody even notices what I'm doing. But I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it unto the Lord. I'm serving the saints, but I'm serving Jesus. And I'm going to stir myself up because to get bored with your assignment in the kingdom is dangerous and it shows you're not full. My staff, for them to get bored, even though they do the same thing, sometimes there's changes in, you know, whatever, because life's not always exactly the same. There's always new things happening every week in the church. But more or less, their job descriptions, Reverend Greg, are the same. For them to get bored with that, God will replace them. Because if you get bored, you're not full. The Holy Ghost is never bored. The Holy Ghost is, there's a purpose to that assignment, and He's trying to get you to pass it so that He can promote you. So boredom is a dangerous thing. Don't say things like I'm bored. Don't, don't, don't let it just come out of your mouth. Oh, I'm so bored. This is so boring. This is so stupid. Watch what you say. Because you'll have what you say. Say, Lord, this might be the same, the same, the same, the same, but I stirred myself up because in the kingdom, you've given me this assignment. Listen, most of you will be faithful at work even though it's the same thing because you know the laws of, of the job and you know that if you're faithful, they are eventually going to promote you. And you don't complain. You just do your job. Why? Because you're getting paid. But now you think it's different in the kingdom because you're not getting paid? Now you have a right to get bored. I don't want to do the kids anymore. I'm bored of that. Well, you better be careful. Did God ask you to do that? Because if he asks you to do that, he expects you to stir yourself up because it's an assignment and there's an anointing on you to do it and those kids need you and if it's not kids that you're teaching but you're cleaning it's an assignment on you and there's an anointing on you to do it you better be careful before you get too bored because God never promotes you out of that if you're always talking about how bored you are and anyway I think I've hammered that uh, enough but now 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 watch this now 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 where are we again I'm, I'm still in first corinthians now we go back to psalm chapter 84 and and we're hitting now the end of it and and i want you to see verse 10 you've seen and now watch now uh, now if you're in the presence of god you got one more promise Amen. and it's a glorious promise and we used to sing this at evangel the lord god is a sun and shield he gives grace and glory Do you remember that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Jennifer, were you backsliding? Oh, yeah. Dawson would sing that regularly. The Lord God is... Let's play that at the end of the service. Okay, Taylor? <laughs> For the Lord God is a sun, a sun and a shield. If you've been in his presence, he's a sun to you and he's a shield to you. He will give you grace that's favor and power and glory 
glory. We're talking about the glory. You don't get the glory without being in his presence, without hungering for him. But if you've been in his presence, yes, you'll know what to do and have bonus. Yes, you'll have strength and supply in the time of, of bucket and sadness. And yes, you'll be humble and you'll serve and nothing will be beneath you. But when you're in the presence of God, he's a son to you. He's a shield to you. You can claim it. When you're in the presence of God, he gives you grace and he gives you glory. And no good thing. I tell God this. I say, your word says in Psalm 84, 11, that no good thing will you withhold from me. Because I walk uprightly, because I walk after I seek you first, and you said you'd add it all unto me. So I just want you to know, I qualify. I'm a candidate for good things. Hold it not back from me, O Lord. Hold it not back from me, O God. I'm a candidate. I qualify. I'm bona fide. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm bona fide. I, I'm the real deal. I'm not a faker. Jenny, I'm bona fide. I like that southern word. Bona fide. Heard of somebody in the South, they were talking about somebody that was faking it in their job and they said they were something, but they didn't have the degree that they, even though they, and they go, they ain't bona fide. And I thought, oh my God, I'm bona fide. I am, see, Reverend Randy would like that word. I am bona fide. I am legitimate. I qualify. No good thing. You have, I have a right to ask you. No good thing withhold from me, oh God, because I've been in your presence. I walk uprightly and I seek you first. You know what that word son means? It means he'll be your brilliance. When you walk around, there's just a brilliance. I'm telling you, when you've been in his presence, a brilliance. And, and there's, a, there's a brilliance means a lot of things. You know, his, his light shining. It also would indicate that you know where you're going to go. There's revelation. There's lots of things that light symbolize. But in the Hebrew, uh, in the root word, Greg, there's a protective connotation to the word son, which you wouldn't think. And you know what it's called? A notched battlement. You know when you see those, those, uh, those kind of castle things and on the top there's like notches like this and the sun shines through the notch? That's what that Hebrew word is. That God will protect you like a battlement around you. He'll shine forth through you against your enemies. And that word shield doesn't just mean a shield. It means a buckler that is attached to your forearm. It's the last defense shield. When you go down and they're coming down on the death blow and you don't have your sword and you don't have your big shield, you put your arm up like this and it stops. It's the, it's the last line of defense, the buckler. It means when, you, when everything's going wrong, Sandy, when it doesn't look like there's no hope, I've been in your presence. You are my shield. You have to protect me. I'm on my back tonight, Lord. I've got nowhere to go, but you are my shield. Stop whining and crying about everything and start opening up your mouth when you feel like you're on your back. When you feel like the devil's got the sword above your head ready to crack you open. Start saying, no, no, no. I've been in his presence. He is my son and my notch battlement. He is my buckler. He will never allow me to fail. He will give me grace, favor, and power to get through this, and he'll give me the glory. And he won't withhold any good thing. Because I trust him and I walk up rightly and I seek him first and he adds all these things unto me. When you're in the presence, when you're hungry, you'll have the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. It's not hard. Just put him first. He's more important than sleep. There's so much I could say. 
but I, I, I'm not permitted to yet to say it. It's too premature. But he's been talking to me about next year. He's been talking to me about international and domestic. He's been talking to me about miracles that are going to start happening in this church. I can't talk about it yet because he said, don't talk about it yet. It's not time. But I'm telling you something. We are in for a ride. There is stuff the Holy Ghost is cooking up. And you know why? You know why? You know why? Do you know why? I'll say this, Taylor, because you look bored. So I better hurry. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know I like bugging you. But on July the 12th, God spoke to me. He said, what is the date? I said, I don't know. I thought it was the 11th. I said, the 11th. And he didn't answer me. It's the 12th. <laughs> I thought it was the 11th. He said, I don't know the date half the time. He said, what is the date? I said, it's July 12th. He said, do you know, did you notice this is the seventh month anniversary of the mantle? I said, no, I didn't notice that. I said, I'm not really paying attention along those lines, Lord. He said, uh, seven is the number of completion in, a, in this realm of the spirit a season has completed today. And I said, Lord, what? he said, well, you've been preaching about it, son. I told you about the first half of this year would be mainly obstruction and revelation. And he said, now the second half is going to be mainly about joy going through on dry ground and death, which is putting the flesh under. He said, but in the, even though it's been seven months since the mantle, it's really six and a half months because that was December 12th. So really into this year, it's like six and a half months. But he said, in the spirit realm, a season changed today. And you're coming into now the remainder of this year is another section of the spirit. And he said, and so I want to talk to you for tomorrow about your prayer life, about what I expect from you, because I've allowed you to have a normal prayer life in these seven months. Because the emphasis has been learning what the mantle's about and getting through the attack of the enemy. He said, but now that stuff is more or less over. He said, now, uh, now the emphasis is on putting your flesh under. Now the emphasis is on joy, but also seeking me and putting your flesh under. So he said, I want to talk to you about the rest of this year, which starts today. Well, really the 13th it started. And he said, because in the spirit, something's changed now, seven months. Now, I wouldn't have thought that happy. I'm not counting. I'm not looking. I didn't even know what the date was. I'm not thinking, ooh, seven months and trying to find some number equivalent. I don't do that kind of stuff. But God came to me and he said, what's the date? And, I, and he said, did you notice it's the seven month anniversary? There's a season that has completed. And there's a new season that's begin. The eighth is the beginning of new beginnings, number of new beginnings. He said, now a new season begins. And he said, and this season is all about seeking me in prayer and crooning your flesh under and dying because out of that death will come great joy. And so he started talking to me. I can't share what he said, but he started talking to me about what he expects from me in my prayer life. And I'm telling you something, he's expecting more from me than I've ever given in my life. And then he gave me a promise. I can't tell you everything because it's private, but he gave me a promise. And he said, you see your church? You know how you want so much more? You want my glory. You want more numbers. You want more money. You want the international. You want all these things? I said, yes. He said, I can't say exactly what he said, but I'm going to give you the gist. But he said, if you'll just do this one thing that I ask you to do, if you'll just give me the time, the hours that I'm asking you to give me every day and not be distracted with the needs of the people, with all the counseling appointments, with Oasis, with all the stuff. And there's so much noise. He said, if you will give me what I'm asking. He gave me a promise, Jenny. He said, if you'll give me what I'm asking you to give me, I want you to know everything on your list that is so important to you, I'm going to take care of it all for you. Wow. 
He said, and you're not even really going to ask me for it. I'm just going to do it for you because this is the thing that produces that. It's really Matthew 6, but in a different way. If you'll just put me first and seek me, but he told me specific parameters and all that kind of stuff, time of the day, when to do it, when not to do it, how much time to do, how he wanted me to structure it. So there was a lot of specifics. He said, but if you'll just do this, you're so wanting all this stuff. But if you'll just do this, I just want you to know, you just keep your eyes on this. Don't even look at that. I'm just going to, I'm going to take care of it. What you need for the ministry, it's done. What you need for the international, it's done. All this stuff for flag and go, it's done, son. What you need for Oasis, I'm going to take care of it. He said, you're so concerned about all this stuff, but I just want you to look at one thing. Just give me this one thing. And so from July the 13th to present, I have been, I'm going to do it till the rapture comes. But I have been faithful to giving him that one thing. And I will be faithful all the days of my life. Because it's not hard, it's a joy. It's more than he's ever asked me to do before, but it's such a joy. Now I find I talk to people about stuff and I start getting annoyed. Do you know why, Deanne? Because I'm thinking, you're not that fun to talk to. I've just been with Jesus. I could be spending more time with him. And, and here I have to, to fellowship with you. I'm not trying to be funny, but Walter Butler had the same experience. When he would spend so much time with God, he began to lose interest in the natural and people say, oh, wow, that's so religious. No, don't try. You can't make that happen. But there's a lack of interest, the gleam and the glitter of the world and of sports and of movies and of entertainment and of this. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with any of it, but it's just all stuff. And the glint, the, the, the draw of it, the more you're in that presence, it's like it becomes... It's, it, it's, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's true. They're strangely dim because they should be exciting to you, but they're not. I'm telling you guys, the Lord has got his hand on us. This church is going to make it. He's given me his promise, but it's hinging on my obedience. It's hinging on your obedience. So let's, I'm not going to preach on Psalm 84 again, but I want you to know if you'll get in his presence and hunger for him, Prayer closet, church. Prayer closet, church. Private, corporate. Private, corporate. They go together. He'll, make, he'll tell you what to do. And you'll do it with boldness. There'll be strength and supply when you face hard times. You'll have humility to serve and not be bored in those seasons that are hard. And less convenient than you'd like. And less interesting than you think you deserve. And he'll be a, a bright brilliance. He'll be a protector. He'll give you grace and glory and every good thing that you can possibly think of. He'll make sure you get it. Because it all is the reward of coming out of his presence. Right? Hallelujah. Praise God. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Heavenly Father, tonight as a congregation, those at home, those that are here, I know some of them don't watch Wednesdays well. I can't, oh Lord, I'm not responsible for them. For the ones that are watching and the ones that are here, we make a commitment to you again that we will be diligently seeking you. We are diligent seekers. Be a rewarder to us. Lord, we're not even doing it to be rewarded. We're doing it because we love you. 
But Lord, it's so wonderful that even though we don't need the reward, that you still reward us when we put you first. You add all these things. When we get hungry for you, uh, no good thing will you withhold to them that walk uprightly. So Father, uh, instead of us having the focus on all the things that we want, we just want to put our focus on loving you, seeking you, wanting your presence, wanting the house of God, wanting your courts, wanting your tabernacles, wanting your glory. And Lord, as we do that and as we take time out of our day, we plan our nights so that we can seek you in the mornings. We plan our afternoons so we can seek you at night. We plan our whole life around your presence. We put you first. And Lord, when we diligently seek you, I thank you that all the stuff that they think is so important, which maybe it is and maybe it isn't, but Lord, you'll just pile it on them anyway. Because you don't want blessing us, but you want to be first. And so, Father, I've made a commitment to you, and I'm doing it. My wife is doing it. We are all in. We are full hog. We are running with all the strength that we have toward that finish line. And I pray that this congregation would go with me that a hunger would begin to burn in every heart. A desire for the things of the spirit over the things of the natural and the flesh would start to burn in every heart. If you would just mind lifting your hands. And if you're watching at home, would you lift your hands on your couch? I say in the name of Jesus, every hand that is uplifted that represents a hungry heart, I say in Jesus' name, be filled. I say be filled in Jesus' name with a supernatural and a divine hunger for God such as never before. Lord, let it mark them. Let it, let, it, let it be a notch in them. Let it be a brand upon them like it's tattooed upon them. Let them know it. Let them sense that something's changed and let them put action to it and let them seek you with all their heart. And Lord, you will make sure that they never suffer, that no good thing will be withheld from them. Oh, Father, we hunger for you. We cry for you. We are, we are desperate for your presence. We long to seek you. We long to see your face. And that is my cry tonight on behalf of our church, Father. We want to be a promise of life. It wants to be a house called the house of prayer. Lord, we want to, we want to be known as a people that love you and seek you. That, Lord, we are so hungry that nothing is more important than you. I know it sounds so juvenile and so kindergartenish the way I'm talking, like you're talking Sunday school. But, Father, we've got to get back to the simplicity of, of childlike living and childlike faith. We're, we're just for you. And we're, we're praying and we're seeking you on a regular basis. And we're hungry for you. And we put your local church first. And we put your, our prayer closet first. And everything else will show up. Everything else will show up. Oh, I give you praise for it. I give you praise for it. Do you want to add anything, honey? Father, I bless them. I thank you, Lord, that you watch over them now as they drive home. The blood of Jesus goes with everyone. The blood of Jesus over every car, over every home. I thank you that COVID and sickness and plague stays out in Jesus' name. I thank you that demons and destruction stay away in Jesus' name because the blood is a barrier that protects everyone under my care in this church, and they are divinely safe. I thank you, Father, that you bring them back at their next service rejoicing. And until then, they'll watch faithfully, give faithfully, serve faithfully, pray faithfully, and evangelize and tell somebody about Jesus and invite them to church. Father, we're doing the agape because we're putting your church first. Your house comes first. And we love you. We love your body. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen.